never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Our guest today is uh, an amazing man. Uh, he is a man who has worked in the entertainment industry um, for a long, long time, decades. And therefore, he is a man who's used to herding cats, herding big type a personality cats who might as well uh purr or rather like to eviscerate you uh is not necessarily the nicest environment to work in and maybe no surprise that in that environment the man had a lot of help from friends such as jim beam and johnny walker and as all his friends and relatives that came along for the party <laughs> so today i want to know how our guest has turned around from uh, the man who was rather floating along in all those waves of addiction and and mental health uh, challenges to now become the man who is in control, who is no longer the cork on the on the surface of the ocean, but rather the master of the ship who's sailing through the winds, and he decides where he wants to go. So I'm so glad to talk today to Joe Tlastos. Joe welcome to my show thank you it's great to be here <laughs> wow and i mean how the hell did you get into the ent entertainment industry um to start off with that i mean that is the dream of so many young people come on you live the dream i, I didn't plan it for a minute uh <laughs> i did my first radio show when i was 17 years old in uh in Wabasha, Minnesota, on the shores of the Mississippi River. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, I, I, I was a senior in high school, and I would drive down to uh, from the small town I lived in. And uh, and I started there and was work, worked there for about a year and then thought, well, that was great. That was fun. Now it's time to go into the real world and get a real job. And I've only said that about six times, that uh, it's time to go to the real world and get a real job before I suddenly decide, uh, suddenly uh, occurred to me that I, I had a, actually had a career here and uh, uh -huh. which ended up being 35 years, 35 years long. Uh -huh. So what did you do? So, I mean, it's one thing to do a sort of high school uh, radio mm -hmm. uh, then to actually get into the, the positions, uh, get into something that actually pays. How did you get every, about that? Every single one happened just by by accident, not by plan. Certainly, <laughs> you know, there's there are destination people in the world, and there are journey people. Destination people have goals and stuff, you know, whatever those are. Uh, me, a journey guy all the way, and it was on the journey that opportunities presented themselves. Uh -huh. And part of it was was networking and knowing people, uh, and some people along the line believing in you and and seeing something maybe in you that you didn't see in yourself who uh, decided to give it a chance. And wow. before I knew I, I, I've left the business, I left the business on my own five times and always was lured back because of somebody had an idea and, they, and I said, well, that sounds interesting. So let's give that a try. And, uh, and it worked out. It worked out. Which is cool. But the question of course is why did you want to leave? What was the negative? So you were a radio well, producer. What what came then? Yeah, I did. I did just about everything in the radio business, from on air talent to producing to 
programming an entire station to um, discovering talent and uh, coaching talent, finding people who were not traditional uh, uh, media people, but uh, who were smart, successful in what they did. I would help them find their authentic self. And uh, and why did I stop? I actually, in a bus- this business, at least in this country, uh, your odds of getting fired are extremely good. And uh, and and okay. I made it all the way to age fifty five before I got I got caught up in in politics. I was running uh, a public radio network, the public radio network for the state of South Dakota in the U.S. And we had eleven station network covered 77,000 square miles in two time zones. And, um, uh, it, but it was also part of state government, which was really a weird fit. And so I always approach the industry like, okay, if, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Let's try things. Let's experiment. Let's, let's do things that, uh, are different and see what sticks. And especially in the non-commercial world if 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 you're not going to have a laboratory there where are you and uh so we had a little difference of opinion at times and i didn't get any calls from the governor in the middle of the night but it came pretty close a couple times oh it is what it is isn't it it is well it's just like why 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 play it safe i always try to do it responsibly yeah but but why play it safe why do things that have been done over and over and over again See, that's the problem, isn't it? It is in as a doctor, for example, if I if I work in a in an institution in a hospital, there are of course I have to sign a contract. In the contract, there's sub in inevitably a contract clause that says um, that under no circumstances am I allowed to speak badly in public about this institution. Mm-hmm. So there you are. If you are now trying to actually be inventive, being out of the box, being out of, you know, you know, not normal, whatever normal is, um, inevitably, it's harsh. Um, this is some of your comedians are renowned to be to be a bit acidic, uh, and a bit a uh, bit very, very interesting. Um, I've recently rediscovered uh, the, the German satire, which is a dripping in venom. And can be <laughs> so dark, uh, mm-hmm. dark humor towards the government, very outspoken, very critical. My goodness, if you had put anything like that onto your onto your show as a radio host, you, they would have they would have stopped you there and then. <laughs> Men in black suits would jump out mm-hmm. of helicopters to get you out of your thing. So, where do you draw the line? I mean, that is so hard. I mean, that is. That is a question that you were you were balancing the knife edge. Well, yeah, it's I guess my approach was an old school approach in that uh, with great freedom comes great responsibility. Love it. I believe I believe that. Yeah. And so uh, the reasons that I got into the into that industry really didn't change over time, and. Uh, among them were, yes, it had entertainment quality, uh, but it also had information. And I, I'm old school enough to think that actually, you know, there are such things as facts and, you know, and doing your best to tell the truth and, and things of that nature. And that, uh, you know, 
which is not terribly in fashion right now, especially <laughs> in, in this country. Um, but I always, I always felt that responsibility and to be there for if it was a community or, you know, whatever that community is, a community can be quite large, um, to be there when people needed help and to try to improve the condition rather than try to strip everything out of the condition that you can to bring up the largest number of dollar signs. And that's not, that's not exactly the priority for a whole bunch of, uh, of people, at least here today. Um, so in many ways, you know, it's, you know, life's not a line, it's a circle. And, you know, and I was just traditional enough to, to go in and out of style at least a couple of times. And, but, but, but I never really changed. My reason for being there was to, you know, challenge people. Don't assume, don't, don't talk to the lowest common denominator, push things and, but do it in a relatable way and do it in an authentic, real, honest way. And it's like a lot of things in the, in the addiction world, um, honesty, authenticity, and, and things not only fit into that world, frankly, I think they fit everywhere and in the way that we think. So, you know, whether that's fashionable or not, I don't know. The places I was at were very successful and very successful financially nice. doing things that the way that we did it. But also it was, and I'll try not to carry on too long here because I can <laughs> do that, um, is that uh, I worked for family businesses and some of them are quite large. Um, and in fact, to the point of putting rockets and satellites in space, but I always had that. And that was before in our country, wall street got involved when people saw a way to start, you know, rules were changed on who could own what. And, uh, there was buying frenzies. I could go all day into that, but really the way that it was done and, uh, and the reason for doing it changed and it changed right at the time when the internet was coming on, which all the zanies were in the, in the radio business. But when the internet came, all the zanies went from radio to, to the internet. And it was just, it was a really weird time. And the fact that I survived for mm. 15, uh, for another 20 years, it's kind of amazing, I guess. Mm. Mm. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of an approach. It's kind of a philosophy. It's kind of who I am. Mm. And, uh, you know, and again, for somebody who didn't plan on doing it and didn't necessarily need to do it, uh, there's a lot of freedom in that. And so I, and, and I was working for people who let me do things my way, which is very rare, very rare. But what I saw here in the last five, 10 minutes mm -hmm. was the real Joe, the real Joe, the man who sees challenges opportunities who goes out there you are a man who is willing to take risks and who is going out there you're a go-getter and there is there is this drive there and that drive doesn't take any prisoners i uh, is an educated guess for me because well i'm, it, I'm the same dude i'm the same yeah. man <laughs> and and you know a, a lot of times you know again there's there are there, i think there's so many parallels between well you know, I was going to say between real life and, and addictions, but it's all real life. Exactly. And it's, it's, you know, part of the key is to 
be honest and to become okay with yourself. Yeah. But it's often is, when we're no, no, Joe, that is the man that you are now. I'm interested mm -hmm. in a man who was basically taking on these challenges, the maybe a little bit insecure 17 year old who was trying out his uh, spreading his wings and and thinking, oh, I'm a radio star. Oh, yeah. This would have been what the 80s. Um, this was a different life. There were different rules. There were different, mm -hmm. different, different oh, determinators of success. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly in the world in which I was, alcohol was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. Um, drugs, not so much. Um, and always the entertainment industry has been renowned to be full of drugs. I'm not sure about the radio business. Um, was Were drugs there? It was certainly a high-pressure oh. environment. You need to be on air in a cool uh, and calm voice, regardless of what just happened. Um, mm -hmm. So how did that go? Well, it's, it is kind of complicated. Um, you know, my addictions were kind of all of the above and, uh, including, including alcohol, certainly, uh, maybe one of my bigger ones, and it actually has an interesting story, but, uh, was, uh, opiates was pain medication. Interesting. And, you know, it was, you were right, is that you couldn't go into a studio and perform well if you were intoxicated at that time hmm. for me it was a it was a, all about self doubt anxiety uh -huh. um believe it or not i'm an introvert and so people say how can you how could you do 5000 radio shows and be an introvert and i said well yeah you you imagine how much i had to, i had to get myself jacked up every day just to go in there oh, and nice. I love it. when i was un, when i was unsure about myself as i as time went on and I got to know myself better uh, and I got to the point where I'm going, I can either be a nervous wreck every day or I can be me and let the chips fall where they may. Once I was able to do that in my profession, uh, it's when things got fun and it's when things really started to work. My problem was, is it took me another 10 plus years to do that with my life and, you know, out of the studio and just, one of those things where, you know, a lot, a lot of the concepts that we talk about when it talks, when we talk about addiction and things like that are not hard concepts to understand. It's that they never crossed my mind. They just were not on, you know, you could be educated, worldly, well-traveled, street smart, all these things. And then there are other things that just you completely missed and you just had wrong. You were going on assumptions big picture assumptions that didn't turn out to be true. Uh, for instance, um, it took me to oh, into my late forties before I understood the concept that there are some things you have control over and some things you don't, which is not hard to understand. It's a very <laughs> simple concept, but it, it never, it, it never showed up on my radar. Same here. So, so you <laughs> know, so in, in, in my world, uh, everything was my responsibility. Exactly. Everything, every problem was mine to solve. Hmm. I cared about my guys, cared about my family, cared about all these things. And it's like, ooh, that's a huge responsibility. And sometimes you're patted on the back for being a problem solver. And sometimes you get a little cocky and, and think that, well, maybe I can solve, I can think my way through anything. 
And that's where I, that's where I was wrong because I couldn't. And, but it didn't stop me from trying. And instead of, you know, I kind of, I kind of sometimes describe it this way. Instead of altering the machine, I decided instead to use higher octane gasoline. <laughs> that was, was going to be my answer. If I just had a little more oomph, oh, yes. then I could get this stuff done. Sure. And you look at it and you go, how did I miss that? And it's oh. like, okay, that happens. That's part of it. How we perceive the world, how we grew up, what we thought we were expected to do. Exactly which we could, we could misread. Uh, there's all kinds of pitfalls along the way. I'm just glad I finally got there, you know, <laughs> at one point. See, for me, I, I ended up in a, in a situation where I was beaten up by a gang and mm. this was a, a very powerless and helpless and scary scenario. And it created the most beautiful PTSD that I then reframed as good situational awareness. Um, and um, <laughs> so there was some trauma that really set me up to be focused on always being in control, which made me very good in my job, but also made me, gave me that knight in shining armor complex. Mm -hmm. I had to be there for everyone. I had to be there. I had to be the hero. I wanted to rescue the damsels in distress everywhere because that made me feel good so external validation was something that so became so important in me and it was weird if hindsight when i say that when i say these words when i tell this story does that ring a bell with you as well oh a absolutely um it uh, uh let's see how, how could i explain this um yeah. It, well, number one, you mentioned trauma. Trauma is serious, serious business. And especially when it happens to people when they're young, especially when it happens to people that trauma is caused by people who you thought you could trust and, and everything else, super duper uh, complicated things. And, you know, the world I live in now is I'm a, I'm a peer addiction coach, uh, which uh, is, and which we can talk about later, but part of, part of my job, because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist. Uh, I'm not a counselor. I'm just a, you know, I'm just a schmo who has lived the life that I've lived, learned the things that I've learned. And hopefully I'm a decent communicator and cheerleader and can help people maybe see themselves in the way that they don't. Part of my job too, is to understand when, uh, I'm in a situation where the best I can do for a person is to steer them towards someone who has the training, uh, who has, you know, things that do. So it's not like I'm come, going to come in and save every person and save the world. But if I can refer someone awesome. to someone, uh, or at least, you know, I have an appreciation having lived with mental illness most of my life, you know, I don't necessarily always know how it works, but I know how it affected me. And I know this, I know a lot of the signs and I know people who are very good at, at helping that. I mean, I've had people in my life who have helped me with that. So, um, so it's, it's kind of a, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a combination of things that, uh, that goes into there. And there's, there's many ways to get in and there's many ways to get out, but to, 
yeah, if if when I when I see trauma and I see it every day, um, it is extremely tough, damaging, serious stuff. And it's not something that, you know, we we both have probably run into people that said, ah, don't worry, I got it under control. I've I've got it figured out. And <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, it's one kind of one of those things. And and I had to do this too. And in my run through addiction was I tried to fix it myself for a long, long time. And finally, one day, November 17th, Monday morning, 2008, uh, I finally said, I can't do this myself. I tried everything in the world I can think of, and I can't. And that's what when I went the, to seek help. What was the catalyst? What was the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back? Well, I was... I was one of these high functioning guys. I never missed a day of work. I always answered the bell. Um, I always looked pretty cool on the outside. Inside, I was corroding. Um, and it was, you know, I, I woke up that day and it wasn't that different from a lot of days, but I had I had a breakfast that day of two Oxycontin and four uh, uh, beers and... <laughs> And I just said, what am I doing? What am I doing here? I can't do this anymore. Out and of interest, so, may I ask you that on that yeah. morning, what, no, go 10 years earlier or five years earlier, mm -hmm. what did the opiates do to you? What effect did they have? They, well, it was very, it was very interesting because it changed over time. Wow. At the beginning, you know, I, I'd always gone through life and it was like, it's like my brain was always like about an eighth of a turn off, you know, and I didn't really understand that, but it was like, it was just like, I was never quite comfortable. <laughs> and that was, that was some of the mental illness talking. And so without really thinking about it, I had started self-medicating and I had tried all kinds of things, uh, anything I could get my hands on with the hopes that it might help, uh, Turns out I wasn't a very good chemist, uh, not from a lack of trying, but, you know, it, 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 I wasn't very good at it. I got hurt doing a radio stunt uh, when I was 23, and it involved, <laughs> it involved donkeys, uh, and it involved me not listening to the little voice in my head, and uh, it, was a, it was a charity event uh, to raise money for a wrestling club. And uh, we played basketball on donkeys, which is as stupid as it sounds. And no, uh, oh, yeah, it, I, I, you know, I, it could have been worse. I thought you're now saying I had to wrestle a donkey. Um, yeah, <laughs> man's got to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I went flying through the air and I landed. I, I learned a lot of things that night. One of which is that while the diamond may be the hardest substance on the planet. <laughs> the tile over concrete multi-purpose cafeteria floor is a close second. And I hurt my back and which ended up being something that I, I live with today. And actually I had major surgery two, two years ago. Um, but I went to the ER and that's where I got my first Demerol shot. Mm. And it was like that eighth of a turn in my head just went ping. And it's like, where you been all my life. And so for, Three weeks a month, it was the greatest thing in the world. And for the next 20 years, um, it was trying to find an answer and, and not getting there and more of my attention. 
sometimes going to where am I going to keep the supply coming from? Mm. Uh, because you know what? Because I wasn't a junkie, right? I was, um, I was an upstanding, fully employed, successful, professional mm. husband, father, all these other things. Um, at the beginning, what it tended to do is it tended to calm me. It tended mm. to take that anxiety mm. and settle it down. Um, after a while, it just made me cranky. And it also made, and I look back and it was like nine years before I realized that my, back in the day, my emotions could turn on a dime <laughs> and I could go from being pleasant to cranky as heck. Oh, yeah. And whoever happened to be in front of me uh, was a target of convenience. And a lot of times it was my wife and it was nothing that she did. It was, you know, it's the drugs and alcohol talking and, and where alcohol came in is is anybody who's who's been involved in, in opiates knows that alcohol is the like what we call here the hamburger helper of uh of uh of things that it, it if your supply is getting low it stretches things out uh, which uh, is of course uh, dangerous uh, and uh, and all those things but you know it's you know a large part of my life when I was in that place was uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time. You know, I was never trying to be a bad boy or irresponsible. In fact, I was just trying to do the opposite. But my judgment and my thought process and everything could be way off. And it was, you know, and that's kind of the, I don't know if it's a mystery. There there are parts that are mystery and parts that you figure out. But it was the entire time you look back and you go, how did I miss that? How did I get that one wrong? But you know, it's and and part of it is I grew up in a small farming community in Minnesota, and it was a lovely place to grow up. It was it's one of the most beautiful parts of the land. In fact, it it there are parts of it when I my wife watches uh, a lot of Acorn Television, and right now she's watching a, a mystery series based in New Zealand, oh. and uh, and and uh, and. Other than you have mountains and 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 we don't, at least where I was, uh, the green, the the marvelous things there. It was a beautiful place to grow up. But I I I measure time in a little different way than most people. I measure time, you know, much you, you a lot of times it's measured in BC and AD. BC and AD. Mm -hmm. I measure time in BC and AC which is before cable and after cable <laughs> television. Um, because you could grow up in a small town and be very wise about some things and absolutely unaware absolutely. of things. Nobody talked about mental illness. Nobody talked about alcoholism. Nobody oh. talked about uh, addictions. Nobody talked about those things. And, uh, you know, and all the stigma and the stuff that goes along with it, you know, it just, it never occurred to me that I was, I was, I mean, it was, if somebody on the outside looking in would go, what in the hell are you doing? And from the, but, but from the inside looking out, it's like, I'm doing the best I can. Hmm. Exactly. I'm trying, I'm, I, I'm doing what I think is the right thing to do. And of course it was the absolute wrong thing to do. But I always say we are like, like chimpanzees who are in front of a keyboard and we sort of press the buttons a few times mm -hmm. playing around and then say, ooh, 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 that, that feels good. What was that? Ooh, opiates. Ooh, mm -hmm. ooh, memory, good. Opiates, good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's us. And that's unfortunately 
we do that often enough at a very impressionable age. Uh, some of us even started in the single digits. Um, some of us, that was never me, but anything less than 25 years of age, your brain is still malleable. And especially when it comes to addictions, when it comes to the influences of, well, you call it the, the, the supercharged fuel that we put in us. Let that be alcohol, mm -hmm. let that be any kind of other either behaviors that uh, that give us that high or that distraction from trauma, the distraction from our pain, mm -hmm. um, the escape from our reality, um, either the behaviors or the drugs. And the drugs are just super. And mm -hmm. some of us are just better than others in that. We have, some of us have got a bit of a genetic makeup, which gives us so much more dopamine per uh, per ounce of super fuel that we put mm -hmm. in. And when you experience that, bang, oh, <laughs> life is good. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved it how you said it. There were three, four weeks, which were the absolute honeymoon period between mm -hmm. you and the opiates. And it was the same with me. There was a honeymoon period with alcohol that lasted maybe a little bit longer. Uh, maybe I would say five years or so, mm -hmm. maybe three years, something like that. Um, when I was in control, I thought, um, and that the advantages of the alcohol by far outweighed the disadvantages. Because suddenly I changed towards a, give me two free drinks, and I was outgoing, whilst probably I'm like you, more, I'm quite happy to be alone. I'm quite happy to be uh, um, just myself. Thank you very much. No, word. No, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it is weird. It is weird. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, you know, I, uh, and the people I work with every day uh, who are coming in and looking for help, you know, it's, uh, they, they stretch the gamut from being in very tough shape to having substances, especially alcohol. And it's by far, by far the most uh, uh, common in, in that we do, but it, it serves as a great pause button. And, you know, like on a tape machine, uh, you can be having all these things upside down in your life. And you know that at a point you can you can make it stop for a while and to hit exactly. the pause button. Exactly. And it's very good at that. It works very well. It works really quickly. Um, and unfortunately, of course, it only pauses things because everything is still there. You know, the things that aren't going right are still there when you wake up the next day. And if it's a tough enough day, then all of a sudden right back to the pause button. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and I kind of look at it, I, I, I kind of, I look at things a little, a little differently, maybe than some people do, um, is that, you know, people will come to see me as an, as a peer addiction coach looking for help. And they come in because they're having a substance issue mm -hmm. and it's usually alcohol. Um, and I say, okay, that was a great reason to come in, but quite often, uh, people are using alcohol and, uh, and other drugs as a sort of treatment for something else. Mm. And I call that the why. Why do you do what you do? Mm. Why do you feel the need to pause? Why? What goes on here? So what, what I will do as a coach, and maybe I'm a little different than some, is to go, let's, let's dig into the why a little bit. Mm. Why do you go, what, what, what is it? What's going on? 
And a lot of times, if we start to make progress on the why, uh, a lot of the substance stuff kind of starts to take care of itself. And and again, there's a million people come in and they all have their own story and they're all combination of things. And there is no one single way that this works. But, you know, sometimes it's sometimes it's things like I was going to say simple things, but communication is not not simple. People tend not to be good communicators. They say opposites attract, right? You know, in relationships, uh, they sure do. Um, and that can be wonderful and it can be a real problem because people communicate differently. Some people don't communicate much at all. Um, and, you know, there's just, there, there's a hundred reasons and things that go on that if we can find our way and, 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 and learn a few things, change the way we think about things, um, stop our inclination to, you know, it's everybody comes in with their own situation but I have found some commonalities. Maybe this will be interesting. Um, most of the people coming to see me are smart. Lack of uh, intellectual capacity is not the issue. In fact, often they're too smart. Uh, we also tend to be people who like to go fast. Yeah, sometimes it's thinking fast. Sometimes it's physically fast. Sometimes it's both. Why? Because we're smart. We can. Why? Sometimes it's a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes it's not and, uh, and gets us into trouble. And we never learned along the way that just because you can, doesn't mean you should. <laughs> and it requires, it requires us to learn, uh, a set of skills that we are not born with. If we were cars mm -hmm. and, you know, a, a new car will have a window sticker that lists all the options that are included in this particular vehicle. Well, if that were us, nowhere in there would it would it have things like patience and taking our time uh, and and thinking before we leap and having a plan, you know, oh, yeah. slowing down. That, that's nowhere. And it's not something that comes naturally. And it involves just changing the way that we think not only about the substance and what it's doing, but really change the way we think about everything. And a lot of it is, is slowing down, being honest uh, with yourself and with others. Uh, and maybe the toughest thing of all, but one of the, I know the most important thing for me was becoming okay with who I am. Works and all. I'm an imperfect human being and that's okay because so is everybody else. And, uh, you know, and yeah, am I working to get to, to improve? Sure. But you know, there was such long stretches in life where every day I went, you know, if so-and-so really knew what went on in my head every day, they would turn around and run away screaming, mm. you know? And so I, I, I better not let them in because I will absolutely freak them out. And, uh, uh, and so there were a lot of ways to cover that up. There were a lot of ways to get through situations like that take away that anxiety and that, that fear and, and, uh, and, and depression and, and, you know, and I, I was diagnosed with bipolar two, which explained a lot, uh, after many, many, many years. Um, but you know, once I became okay with who I am and, and I understood that, you know what, some people are going to get me and some people aren't, 
Um, I know I have a good heart. I know I'm, I try to do the right thing. I care about people. I want to help. Um, but I'm not perfect, but I'm working on it. You know, it's like in, in, uh, in, in the United States, we have baseball, the game of baseball and baseball is a great exercise in failure. If you, you know, cause we talk about batting average. If you come in, if you're a major league baseball player and you fail in your job, seven out of 10 times, you're a millionaire. <laughs> if you, if you somehow are able to go from only failing six times out of 10, you're a legend. You're a hall of famer. You are people that talk about for generations. I'm not trying to be perfect because perfect doesn't exist. All I'm trying to do is raise, raise my batting average a few points. That's what I'm shooting for. And that's what I try to encourage other people to shoot for. Perfection is a wonderful concept, but it's a concept. And it's it's not in practice. We'll never get there. And that's okay. Very wise points. Very wise points. Maybe I had to screw up a lot. I had to screw up a lot to learn that stuff. Don't shit you. <laughs> and please, yeah, come, yeah. On. come on. We, we both are uh, preaching to the choir here. Yeah. Um, the two of us, having said that, today I really needed to hear that because oh. these are all perishable insights, perishable skills, it seems to be. And then there are times uh, when there are new challenges and when your brain wants to fall back into the old rut, into the old way of thinking that could be the victim uh, position oh poor me poor me poor me another one um so that could be that um at the moment things are not going right in my life and i found myself going back from thriver to survivor mm -hmm. and survivor has got some has got some some advantages um it's the ice cold dude who quite happily drinks out of the, the skull of enemies um if he has to and there is I, and i don't let him out often um i don't find he is very productive in the long run but he helps me to survive mm -hmm. and it's quite okay because there will be challenges that you can't do anything about you mentioned that there will be times when you have to be a different man and that's okay just be aware of it that mm -hmm. things are changing and that you're now just changing the gears a bit in your life. And there are that's times. where yep. Yep. that's where the slowing down comes in. I, I I I truly, you know, and that's I guess I grabbed that because it's a it's a con I can I can that concept makes sense to me. Is that when I'm when my mind is going too fast and it can go really, really fast. Um, I, I start making mistakes. I used to, I fancy myself a multitasker. You've heard the term a oh, multitasker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And I thought I, oh, I could do three things at once. No problem. Uh, I was wrong. I learned over time that I am not a multitasker. I am someone who can do three things at once and do them all half-assed and, Correct. Uh, you know, yes. and, and, yes. you know, where all of a sudden i my mistake ratio goes way up and it's like oh i gotta oh so now i gotta go back and i gotta go back and i gotta fix those mistakes and oh that took That's an extra time so we gotta do, go twice as fast yeah. to catch up and then it's like well i started making mistakes again yeah. blah 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 you know that's that's 
that is kind of the default <laughs> thinking that went on. That's much different than learning to slow down. Oh, yeah. Take your time. Take a step back. Read your situation. Be prepared. You know, make and your choices with care. But it's a, it's unnatural. It's it's <laughs> these this is a skill set that a person has to learn. But when you start doing that, uh, it can be the start of of all kinds of things. It gives you a chance mm -hmm. to slow down, take time. You, your 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 method of communication uh, communicating with people who communicate different than you mm -hmm. uh, can improve. You know, it's like why are we in such a hurry? Mm -hmm. You know, society has given us some of that. Technology has given us the ability yeah. to do a lot of that. Sure. It doesn't, but again, just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. Uh, um, so it's it's a process. And there's, but it's also a, it's a choice. And I think mm -hmm. often enough we find ourselves in situations where we have no control over. But here you have a control. You have the 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 choice, the privilege of choice of either using a substance or a behavior that maybe is good for the second but not so good for even the minute or mm -hmm. the hour or the, the week uh leave alone the rest of your life um self you know, self-awareness exactly you know that's that's where where i look at is 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 self and it's it's a little thing mm. but it's everything absolutely <laughs> you know and if you are aware yeah then then you can make better choices and this these various positions from um from victim to survivor to thriver you have got that but you then also have a, a matrix which goes up from i actually live right now i live calm and then i live in stress and i live in distress so you've got that moment or oh, that those those directions and those directions when you actually live with that awareness what is going on you know that you're cycling through these kind of various uh, variations. Mm -hmm. And you find yourself maybe in distress as a victim. And, well, you think, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, I've, that that was me 20 years ago. Why am I there again? And, you know, again, you're asking the wrong question. Why, am, why me? Why me? Well, guess mm -hmm. what? The universe will give you all the reasons why you deserve to be such an idiot. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe, again, that is there where the intentional living comes in and the intentional right here, right now. Actually observe the questions that you ask, observe the answers that you get, and then think, well, is that really the best version of myself? Are these the best questions that, uh, or are these questions that actually be check, shackle me into that distressed victim personality? Or are there questions that actually can calm me down, maybe first from distress to stress to to maybe, okay, I'm still a victim, but now I'm back in control. And that already moved you towards the survivor. Uh, and now you can actually think, okay, hang on. So, okay, what's really going on? Two steps back. Do I see the situation actually correct? Or is is my mind playing a horror horror video oh, for me? Oh, yeah. Good one. Good <laughs> one. I know our minds are so good. And unfortunately, mine comes up with, you know, I mean. Oh, all, kind, all <laughs> exactly. kinds of goofy stuff. <laughs> is it not? <laughs> we are oh, just, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and just that that living intentionally 
that is something that you really need to practice. And you can't practice that alone because no one tells you and no one can guide you uh, if you're alone. You don't get the guidance to to look at something that is not in your head at that moment. I think that's where a coach comes in. Mm -hmm. That's where a, a mentor comes in, however you call that person. Right, right. I, I always say, you know, having a, taking a smart person and putting them in isolation and experiencing boredom is trouble waiting to happen. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, you know, we've, you know, there's, there's a lot of cute rhymey sayings in the recovery world. Um, and, but there's one of my, one of them I really like. And, and that is, is, and I think, I think I heard you say this too on, I uh, listened to one of your episodes or watch one of your episodes. And that is the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Correct. And if you think about it, it's all about connection. Mm -hmm. And when we get into trouble, it's often because we aren't connecting. And many times we've chosen not to connect for one reason or another. And it's all about connection. It's all about finding those places, you know, and that's why, Again, I, I I tend to look at it in a real holistic way, in that the 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 thinking that can get us into trouble with alcohol and other substances is also the thinking that can just get us into trouble in general. And if we change the way that we think, if we change the way that we approach the day, you know, the the one day at a time, the day. How do we approach the day? How do we approach conflict? How do we approach um, feeling sorry for ourselves, thinking that, you know, we are, or, you know, those worthless feelings and things like that. You know, if we, if we can change the way that we think about those things, change the way that we understand uh, uh, how we interact and men, oh, for crying out loud, you know, it's what, it what, uh, what uh, symbols, what examples are set up for us and how we're supposed to act. Uh, number one, don't whine and cry about stuff. Keep it to yourself. Um, be the strong, silent type. Mm. Um, if you broke something, fix it. Don't ask for help. Don't ask for directions. Mm. Um, you know, it, these are all, and for God's sake, don't talk about things like feelings, you know, <laughs> cause it's, it's a sign of weakness. That's the model that we get. At least we get it here in, in the U S that's the model. And it's all goofy. It's all goofy. It's just, it's just the opposite. We are, we are, you know, th there's, there's billions of people on the planet, uh, sometimes for a really good reason. And that is, is that we don't have to be alone. Mm. You know, we don't have to tackle everything ourselves. It's true. And it is, there's just, you know, and that, and there's so many things that sprout out of that. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, it's a matter of, Change, well, I, I'm sorry I get to be a, a broken record, but it's it's changing the way that you see and think about just about every part of your life. And you don't always get it, and you don't always, you know, and sometimes we're better at it than others, but that's okay too, because part of what we see when we slow down is that we're not perfect, but we also can't be perfect. And uh you know, what we're looking to, well, what we're looking to do is improve our batting average, mm. trying to do better. Mm. I think that's so beautifully said. It is 
it is it is hard because it it takes an intentional uh element to it and therefore you take ownership of your life regardless what is happening how it is happening by actually accepting the life as it is and you as you are and that makes that draws a line in the sand that gives you a baseline from which to work if you're constantly trying to escape your reality you actually don't know who you are um so for a long time i mean for at least a year or two years after i stopped drinking i was pretty much an empty shell i didn't know who i was i was in literally a, a facade and with hindsight it was positive the way i looked at it it is i've got an empty canvas i can start painting a new painting exactly um, exactly which was which was an opportunity but then again without role models without looking at others uh and comparing uh, i didn't know who i was and that was beautiful actually that was scary very scary to start mm -hmm. with um but then later on i developed now into that person who is sitting here um there is still so much wrong with me um I'm still as 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 oh fucked up in the head. Um in in the sense of uh, I'm still I've got so far to go, but I see that again as a positive thing. I have got so much more to develop into. Um so it is it is a matter of how do you look at the challenges. Um mm -hmm. and it is it is beautiful. It is beautiful because the the sheer fact that you uh recognize the, the privilege of choice you also then recognize the ability that you can take action and once you start getting into the swing of things by taking small actions but all more or less into the right direction more or less into the direction of the person who you want to become that will change you that when is when suddenly when the miracles start appearing when you start feeling oh the, I, I did that and often enough you don't even know it but uh if you then start journaling maybe writing things down um keeping a track record some wise man once said if a life is worthwhile living it's worthwhile recording um so maybe actually write things down and celebrate mm -hmm. the little wins and suddenly you realize wow i actually did um moderate to vigorous exercise uh five out of seven days the last week and i feel good that's and fantastic I'm, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a, a previous guest said her title was um Depre uh, depression hates move uh, moving objects or depression hates, <laughs> hates movement yeah. um, very true so, exactly very true. so and, and and i experienced that this week i'm going i'm in the survivor and i'm working out and i'm doing things and suddenly i feel good i feel oh, mm -hmm. ooh, ooh, ooh. and it's it's a, like the chimpanzee pressing a new button i think ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> i want to play <laughs> and but this is at least a, a new a, a good way of doing it and it is basically the choice and taking action these two things that is in your power you can't do anything about russia invading ukraine you can't no. do anything about the divisive leadership uh, in the united states you can't do anything um about the big problems of hunger or shortage of water but you can take little things you can start with yourself 
and become rather turn from a victim towards a role model of someone who gets their shit together and is wearing his or her scars uh, with pride. And that's exactly who you are, Joe. You have gone through life and there was a lot of darkness in your life. And now you have become a beacon of light. Now you actually cherish the light. You know what the light is because you've seen the darkness. And that is so powerful. That is so oh, powerful. That absolutely. is where you are a man who can help others. And that is that is what we need. If we can create power teams where we are uh, the dumbest people in the team, that you're surrounding yourself not with losers, but with people who are just a little bit further down the way. May that be in finances, may that be in your relationships, may that be in your career, whatever it is. May that be just as a as a as a human being. Well, how cool would that be? And it is because you, these are people. These are not books. You could buy a book in every single of these things, and I did. And I read them. Uh, that's that's a new thing. I actually read the books because most of the self help books just stay on the on the shelf. I read them, but typically with a glass of Chardonnay. And then yeah. did I actually take action? No, I did not. No. So, but oh, they look beautiful up on the shelf. Oh, true, 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 true. Colors, true. wonderful. Yeah, it's all there. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. Um, but if you actually get in touch with someone like Joe, then you hold yourself accountable. Um, then there is an interaction. And then there is, I'm sure Joe has got a few uh, cards up his sleeves um, that you couldn't see coming. Well, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, you know, what, what, what gives me hope. And there were a lot of times when I didn't (laughs) really consider a person who held a lot of hope for myself or for the rest of the world. Um, You know, we, we still, we, we always have so much to learn about the, uh, you know, what goes on upstairs, what goes on when chemicals are in our body and, and when our, when maybe our brain chemistry isn't exactly where it's supposed to be. Uh, there's so much that we don't know, but we've learned so much about things. Uh, and, and sometimes it's the very simplest things. Um, one of the, uh, you know, we, we have in the, in the, sometimes the pantheon of stigma, it's like, if you're having problems, then you need to go away to treatment. And it's like, okay, then what's that? Well, somebody will say, well, that's where you go away for 30 days, 60 days or whatever. And I'm going, okay, you have any idea what happens there? Uh, no. I said, well, well, I do. I was at one and it wasn't really that hot. Um, but I got a lot out of it because the people I met uh, who were there at the same time. Um, I was also very fortunate. You know, I live in the in uh, in the, the state in the United States that has the highest uh, percentage of Native American population, ten percent of the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's a whole nother kettle of fish when you talk about um, substances and alcohol and things like that. There's there's poverty, and then there's reservation poverty, and it is it can be just a heartbreaking thing to go see, but. I also met a lot of uh, uh, young men who had a lot to teach me. And a lot of the things that they taught me that are central to uh, the, you know, to, to their life and their culture 
uh, really translate well. And sometimes the, the cultures can be very, very different, but that at its basis, there is, there is one, uh, I don't recommend authors a lot, but I'll recommend one. Uh, and his, his name is Dr. Joseph M. Marshall III. And he's a uh, Lakota from the Rosebud Reservation. Uh, he was very, he was instrumental in starting the very first four-year degree granting university on an, on an Indian reservation in the United States. Wow. Um, and he, he wrote this first book he wrote was called the Lakota way. And the Lakota are one of the seven tribes that, you, that, that were in this area. Uh, they call it the seven council fires or the Ocheti Sakawin. And uh, the Lakota way talks about their origin stories, kind of who they are and, and why. And what do they value? And what do they, what do they look at? And how do they interact with each other? And it's fascinating. And and it's also, it can be extremely distressing because you can see when that was taken away mm. from them, the, you know, the basis of this culture and how they approached the day and their relationships and everything. And it was replaced by this hustle bustle, make all you can, you know, we got winners, we got losers. Um, it's very, I, I encourage anybody to look him up and he has written many, many books since then about that, but it's just, it's, it is, it's one of many philosophies that maybe got it a little more right than maybe, you know, maybe the culture I was in, uh, got right away that I, I did, I did come to it, but, uh, I was, I was talking about, you know, the, the treatment situation and, uh, and I, and I, yeah, some people, some people need that. Some people thrive in it. Some people thrive in all kinds of different things. What I'm finding out with coaching is, is that there are people also who uh, have tried everything or they think they've tried everything and nothing has worked. And the power of a peer, a mentor, somebody that has a shared experience for a lot of people can really make a difference and, you know, and it doesn't cost 35,000 American dollars a month to go have that happen. It's, it's about connecting with somebody else who's been there and who can, you can talk with, you can do so, con, you know, confidentially. Um, I play cheerleader when, when I think people need it. I need, they need to have somebody who's congratulating them when they've had their victories. There has to be somebody there that when they, stumble and and uh and either lapse i i think there's a difference between lapse and relapse the lapse is a kind of a one-time thing and relapse is you know a longer term thing but it's like okay you know the numbers tell us that the number of people who are going to relapse is well extremely high you it's it's to the point where i don't know different studies say different things but 90 percent 95 percent um so in my mind, it's going, okay, if it's going to happen in nine out of 10, maybe it's part of this. Maybe it's part of the experience. And, and it's like, what, uh, uh, okay, so you made a mistake. Okay, what do we do? Number one, how do you, how do you feel the next day? Well, you, physically, you might feel bad. You might be disappointed in yourself. And I say, don't dwell on that. Maybe throw it in your back pocket, though. It might come in handy one day. But really, what the, the keys are, are, what did I learn? And what do I do next? You know, awesome. what did I learn? How did this happen? What, what were the circumstances? And can I learn from that? 
and what do you do next? You know, yeah. the, uh, I, I guess I can say this here. Uh, the one thing you want to avoid are the fuckets. Fuck it. I can't do this. They, uh, you know, you got to avoid that because that's, that's throwing up your hands saying, I can't do this. And, and, and you give up and you know what, we're all going to make mistakes for human beings. We're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. It's, you know, what we would like to do is to not make the same mistakes over and over and over. And if we've learned something from them, I often say my job as a coach is to help you not make the same mistakes I did so that you have plenty of time and space to make your own. Uh, you know, it, it, it will happen uh, as you do it. But what I love about this is that, you know, it's, there are people that aren't that far off. Their lives are definitely suffering and it's causing problems in their life. But to get back on track may not be as difficult for some than it is for others. And that it can happen in a very cost-effective manner. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to, you know, the, the, the treatment industry in the United States, which does help some people and some people it's just a crock. Uh, it, it is extremely expensive and there are people who make a lot of money doing it. I can, I can tell you, I'm not doing what I do because I can make a lot of money. Um, uh, but I do it because it matters. And, 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 you know, and sometimes that's what I tell people that, you know, when they come in men and women, and I've had them from age 18 to 85 and it's like, okay, now that you're here, um, I'll let you in on a little something. Number one, if you didn't before, you now have a team and I'm on it. And you have other people that are out there who really are cheering for you, whether you know it or not, that you have a team. Um, because we don't do this by ourselves. We do this through connections. Nice. Nice. Um, you know, and we have to be patient because sometimes these things, we will have moves forward, we will have moves backward. But it's what do we do with that? What do we learn from that? Um, and that know that I care, it matters. The fact that you are here, you've already done one of the toughest things. And just to know that you matter to me, you getting better matters to me. Because when I was at my absolute worst spot, people appeared. I don't know who they are, where they came from, or where they went. But they were there when I needed them. And uh, uh, can I tell you a quick story about connection? It's always amazing who you do connect with. And it's not always who you think. Um, when I was in a 30-day, 12-step-based uh, program, and 12-step works for a lot of people, and that's great. And I think there's things in it that are wonderful. Um, there, are, I have some disagreements on on certain things. One of which is that I'm not helpless. <laughs> I play a pretty important role in this thing. Uh, you know, I have to I have to participate. Um, oh, yeah. oh yeah. But and it's funny the the guy I connected with was 22 years old, shaved head, tattoos everywhere, black baggy, everything. Always was just darting around. His eyes were darting because he knew he had spent a lot of time on the street and had to look out for his back all the time he was there why i connected with him i don't know but i do know that we each did an important thing for each other at least one important thing the thing he did for me was slow the f down 
slow down. Because I had gone from going way too fast and having everything a jumble to way too fast about I'm going to get better. <laughs> and and uh, and so I was I was you know I I yeah. was I was more positive in my going fast. Oh yeah, but I'm still going fast. The problem was I was going too fast. And so he had carte blanche to call me on that whenever he thought I needed it. And I needed it a lot. What I did for him was he had gone through his life and everybody had told him he was stupid and that he was never going to amount to anything. And if he had any dreams to forget about it, because he just wasn't bright enough. And unfortunately the person that told him that the most was his father. And uh, which was very unfortunate. I was lucky. I'm really lucky. I had wonderful parents. Still have my mom. She's 89 and and just as much of a knucklehead as I am. And uh, uh, but I said, I you know I've been around. I've seen a lot of things. I know smart people when I see them. And I say you're plenty smart to do whatever it is you want to do. You know, there's a lot of other things that go into doing what you want to do. But don't let anybody tell you that you aren't smart enough to do it. You are smart enough to do whatever it is that you want to do. So if people are telling you that, they're wrong. Um, I only saw him one time after we were out of treatment. We met about six months later uh, and, and had a meal together. And I haven't seen him since, but I think about him every day, every single day. I think about him and, and what he reinforce with me slow down take it easy <laughs> don't be so hard on yourself you know this isn't a race you know it's like when we're young we we think you know when we're like 20 we think we got it all figured out we have the answer to all the world's problems and if people were just a little smarter they could grab them uh the older i get the fewer things i know to be certain and i'm down to three things that i know to be certain uh Number one, people really dislike change. Even though it's important and even though it's inevitable, they don't like it. Number two, insurance companies do never like to spend money. And number three, it's never too cold for ice cream. Those are the three things that I know to be certain. After that, it gets a little gray. And that's okay. That's okay. I don't, I don't need to be... 100% certain on things. I don't have to be perfect. I just, I try to be a little better every day. And if I have a day where I go backwards, I try not to make it too. You know, I try to turn it around. I try to think, okay, go back to the basics. What am I doing here? You know, and, and perspective is a marvelous thing. A bad day today, ain't nothing like a bad day when I was 40. I'm 62 now. You know, when I have a bad day, I had bad days in there. <laughs> My day this day, well, I've had better ones, but you know what? Yeah. I'll make it. I'll true. I'll be okay here. That'd be true. Oh, I talk about this stuff forever. You know, you uh, get no, me no, wound no. up here. There's, I can... there's, there's the passion. <laughs> there's the passion that I want to see, man. No, oh, that's cool. yeah. It's well, and that's <laughs> the cool thing is that it's doable. It's mm. all doable. Mm. Um, it's but it takes some changes. It of takes course. some changes takes action it takes insight it takes intentional yep. living and that's yep. that's what is so beautiful today um today we have got those insights and hopefully many many others out there will come onto that journey that's why the two of us are standing here and sitting here and, and trying to to 
be transparent and to be honest and just say it as it is um, mm -hmm. because there is hope and people have got the power to change regardless exactly the past does yep. not equal the future it's as simple as that mm -hmm. uh, joe if people really like uh, what you say and want to connect with you where can they find you um at we face it together dot o-r-g we face it together dot o-r-g and what we do is is i'm in sioux falls south dakota uh which is just about smack dab in the middle of north america um and there's a lot of my people that i see in person there's also people i see via zoom like we're doing now uh we got very good at coaching during COVID. we had to <laughs> Because uh, there was a higher there was a higher demand for services, sure. and you couldn't go anywhere, which is which is and it's really one of the great di dichotomies is, you know, some people are telling me I I need to quit isolating and go out and meet people. Mm -hmm. Oh no, yeah, by the way, don't go anywhere and isolate yourself. <laughs> um, so and we've we have we've uh, talked with people and and coached people from forty eight of the fifty states, three provinces in Canada, the Beautiful. UK, and New Zealand. Oh, believe it or not, there you go. Um, so if if you just go to wefaceittogether.org, it'll tell you everything about what we do and kind of where we're at, mm -hmm. and and it's just a very simple thing to get started. One of our people, we we call it uh, our first impressions. People will call back, and we do have we have people from all over the world who 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 do it. And our hope is is that, and I know we're not alone in that. You know. Peer coaching is uh, is is starting to pick up steam. I mean, we may be a little ahead of the curve, but but you know, having people helping people who have Absolutely. shared experiences, Absolutely. it's it's not brain surgery. It's it's uh, you know, it's something that's very doable. But mm. you know, we can you know go to the website, look around, kind of get an idea of the philosophy, um, and we'd be happy to help you. We'd be happy to steer you to resources in your neck of the woods that might be might be uh, 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 available to you. Right. Uh, and just know that if things haven't worked in the past, you may not have tried everything. So <laughs> beautiful. Take said. a chance. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Joe Dlustos, uh, what a man, what a, what a force of nature. I uh, love to talk to you. We could talk for hours here. Honestly, <laughs> I love it because there's we both shared so much of the darkness and we both now share the light and it's beautiful. So guys, what stops you? Why not come along on this journey? You have already taken action. You have listened to this show. Uh, that is already tells me that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and that you're ready to make change. Well, here you are. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the journey. Welcome to this path. It is amazing. And you have no idea what awaits you. But I tell you what, it is very likely to be so different and probably so much better than probably the shit that you have gone through so far. So, Joe, thank you so much for coming onto my show. You're an amazing man. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. That's cool. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.